Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi there, I'm Georgie Ainsley, and every week I talk to someone who is a performance person. They could be an athlete from the world of entertainment, business, or politics. They could even be an astronaut. The key link is, of course, that they all know how to perform at the top level, and they can teach us all a thing or two about how to do that in our own lives at whatever it is that we do. Performance People is available wherever you get your podcasts, or of course, you can watch us on YouTube, where you can also subscribe, and please do. This week, I'm talking to Ross Adams, CEO of Acast, the world's largest independent podcast platform. Tens of thousands of podcasters use Acast as a hosting platform, including myself and the Obamas, which is the only time you'll ever hear the both of us in the same sentence. The podcast world, though, is booming business right now. Prior to Acast, Ross helped launch Spotify and grew that business across 59 markets, building multi-million dollar revenue streams in the process. Audio is in his blood. I saw the data for podcasting. I was blown away by it. And I knew through data, this is going to be a huge success. And I was like, this is amazing. Like if we get this right, you know, this is going to take over like audio consumption because, you know, I I tell the team this a lot, um, get speeding fines. Like I prefer you to put yourself out there and make your own decision and try something new and get a slap on the wrist. But actually, you know, you learn from that experience than continually just like getting a parking ticket and sitting there, you know, waiting, you know. So Ross, I was, um, I was having a moment where I was thinking, how can I improve my podcast? And I was just mulling it over to myself and thinking about different ways and different ideas that I might have that would, <laughs> that would improve its performance. Um, and, and I, I started thinking, yeah, I know I've got someone that I can talk to about this. And I thought I'm going to at some point give you a call or message you and, and try and glean as much information as I can from you because we go way back, don't we, to our school days. I mean, we, we've yes. known each other since yeah. we were sort of 14. So, um, yeah. so I thought I'll give Ross a call because. He knows everything there is to know about podcasts. And then I thought, this would make a good <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Let's just do all of that well, pretend on a record. to know everything about podcasting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Let's just press that yeah, I'm record I'm here to button. help, Georgie. Yeah, and we'll go. That's um, it. And see what happens. Yeah, that's good. 
But then I did kind of think, you know, there must be a ton of people out there who are desperate to start a podcast, who, who want to do something in this world and, and aren't actually sure how to get going, how to do it, how to approach mm-hmm. it, how to monetize it, all those sorts of things. And you, you do know your stuff on this. So, um, if we just track right back to the beginning, because we're going to do a little bit about talking about you, a little bit of you stuff and a little bit of, um, mm-hmm. how to stuff. If, if we start in the beginning yeah. in terms of, um, in terms of a podcast, the podcast world seems to have blown up exponentially over the last few years or so. Um, yeah. but it's been simmering, hasn't it? Quietly for a, for a while. Um, ha- have you seen just this yes. huge sharp rise? And, and if so, why? What, what's causing it? What's creating it? I mean, you know, if you look at podcasting in general, it's a 20 plus year old medium, right? So it has been there for a long time. Back in the days when I was um, in my first job in media sales and radio, you know, podcasting was something that was the new kind of darling then. And But then everyone started giving it away as free as part of proposals. So it never really kind of found its value um, and it was never really understood. But it was quietly growing in the background. And that's when you know, the Swedish founders of uh, ACAST came to me and said, look at this data, you know, we'd love you to help launch this business with us. And um, essentially, you know, I think there's a few things that really kind of put it on the map. I think one of the big ones was when Apple decided to, to kind of um, hard code their podcast app on the home screen of all of the iPhones. And that meant that, you know, podcasting was kind of at the forefront of one of these choice of apps that users could choose from. And then when once you get into podcasting and you understand the environment, and now we're in this on-demand world, it's less, you know, radio and it plays it for you. It's I want to choose what I want to watch when I want to, to watch it or when I want to listen to it. And podcasting kind of suits that habit that's been growing from streaming video. Um, and literally, you know, we launched nine years ago. And every year we see an uptick in listenership and, um, and, and amount of populations listening. Um, and I think it's just another creative output. Social media has skyrocketed in the amount of people who can start to put content out and everyone's becoming a creator. And this is just another creative output for people. So, um, there's lots of reasons why it spikes. Um, but you know, the great thing is, I think as long as you provide the tools, the monetization and the ability to grow, then that's going to attract more people to do it. So that's what we've kind of done. Okay, so so can anyone do it? Is it open to all? Absolutely anyone. I mean, you know, podcast, the word podcast and what a podcast is now is getting redefined continually, which is great. You know, is a, is a video a podcast? You know, in, in the back, back old days, it could be like it's an audio file that has to be distributed via RSS. Things are changing now. So you could have a two-minute podcast, a one-minute podcast, um, and absolutely anyone can do it. And as soon as you record it, you can literally, you know, one click and distribute it, and you've got it on Spotify, you've got it on Apple, you've got it on all the podcast apps out there, and you can switch your monetization. So it's it's super simple. But the hard bit about it, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, you, you understand this as well, is growing an audience. It's not as easy as, you know, social media where you can post a video and get a million hits and get a viral success overnight. It takes real effort because it's a real craft so anyone can do it but those who are successful it's it, you know it takes a, a bit of effort so is there a, a sort of a you know if you're cooking there's a there's a great list of ingredients which make a great recipe is there anything like that with podcasts is there is there sort of a, a cheat sheet effectively of what makes a good podcast 
I think, you know, if you think about podcasting, you've got to really think about the structure of your show. You know, I think it's really important to, you know, I, I, well, it, think about the structure, but also don't be scared to just put stuff out there as well. And I think sometimes when you put stuff out there, you start to listen back to it and you, you get feedback from your listeners and you start to understand actually it needs more structure. But I think, you know, really thinking about that structure, um, when you go into it, really think about, you know, this is going to be, 12 episodes or 10 episodes, or it's going to be every single week, but make sure you make that commitment. Um, and I think then make sure you're clear with your audience about that as well. So they know what they're getting into, because I think if you look at, um, you know, music streaming, you know, committing yourself to listen to a two or three minute piece of content is pretty simple. You'll know within about 30 seconds if you like the track or not, and you can just skip it. With podcasting, it takes a, a bigger commitment. So think about things like a trailer. So really people um, understand the, what the content's about. So if it's sport, great. Then I'll find sports podcasts. Then it's like, okay, it's Georgie. Great. I'm a fan of Georgie. I'm going to dip into that podcast and then so as soon as you listen to the voice as well um then you start to understand the context uh, and what they're talking about plus the voice i'm now going to commit to this for 40 minutes if there's a three minute trailer or a two minute trailer or a minute trailer at least that allows you to get used to that podcast within a short space of time before you have to commit all that time um so i think it's thinking about trailers as, and how do you introduce an audience and then also think about your socials and how you bring an audience across from the likes of TikTok and Instagram. We find that as a, a, a really big way of introducing new audiences um, to podcasting, particularly TikTok. So, you know, think about, you know, within this podcast, hopefully there's some gems that I might say, and you can cut that into a, a short video, post that on TikTok, and that might bring an audience in from there to the long form. I doubt it, but you never know. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you not find, though, that it's already, I mean, we're talking about this growing marketplace of podcasts. There are so many out there. How do you stand out? How do you make a difference? How do you make yours different from everybody else's that's out there? There's ones that are two hours long, an hour long, you know, 20 minutes, like, you know, three guests, one guest, two guests. I mean, how do you identify what it is that's going to make you stand out from everybody else other than who you are? Is it enough just to be who you are? I mean, Probably not. You know, it, it can be in certain aspects, but I, that's where I think you, you really need to think about the structure of the show, you know, and understand, you know, how you're going to, you know, how a listener, if a listener's going to engage for 40 minutes and they're going to spend 40 minutes of their time in this, how can I structure it in a way that is meaningful and, and giving something to them so i think it that's where you really need to plan your podcast you just can't do just a i mean if you do a chat maybe it's that interesting that people will listen but i think you know having a structure you know you look at podcasts like um one of my favorites is the the rugby pod and they kind of talk about you know a bit of banter at the beginning a bit of them then they talk about kind of the international matches uh, then the kind of premiership and then they do the good, the bad, the ugly at the end. So like it's a nice little structure. So every single week, I know if I'm going to commit my, um, an hour's time listening to that, I know exactly what I'm in for. So it's really important to think about that structure, um, before you go into it. Um, podcasting is one of those amazing mediums though, where, um, a format can work, which might not work in any other medium. Um, you know, like every single year we have new trends. Last year was about dogs and death. Weirdly, there were a lot of podcasts about dogs and death. Um, what together? Whereas you have or shows like my dad wrote a pod both together and separately, but that became Whoa. a trend. And I think it was okay. more about health and health and wellness and talking about death and how, 
um, there was a lot of, a lot of kind of uh, self-help podcasts around that basically. So, so again, there's, there's certain weird trends. I was going to say there's one podcast in the UK, which became the biggest podcast in the UK a few years back. And that was called My Dad Wrote a Porno. Um, uh, and it, it was a, an absolute standout success. Uh, the biggest podcast in the UK. Anyone listening on the tube laughing, you kind of with headphones on, you know, they're listening to that show. Um, that show, shouldn't really couldn't really have worked in any other medium they made it work live and they made it work everywhere else but you know that that shows that you can be very creative within podcasting but certain formats will actually only suit podcasting but every single year there's something new and yes there's five million podcasts out there but if you think about music tracks there's what is there music artist there's like 30 40 50 million artists so by no means have we reached the peak at all we're way away from that um so i think if you find a niche and you find something you're really interested in you've got something to say give it a crack you know just put it out there and see what happens you you mentioned um my dad wrote a porno and that's a great name isn't it it's a great name for a podcast how much does a name matter how much does a good name give you some weight and and carry you to a certain degree yeah I think name um, and also I think cover art is really important because this is a, an on-demand medium. So, you know, you're seeking out sports podcasts, you know, you're going to scroll through and actually something that jumps out on you is is um, super exciting. And then I think also changing the um, episodic cover art is also super important. So it might be that you're interviewing a really interesting guest like Jeremy Clarkson um, and actually having them on the cover might attract that Jeremy Clarkson fan yeah. to dip into that content. So I think actually really think cover art is a really, really big part of it. Um, and name is also very key. So yeah, have a think about that, have a search for what's out there already and how you're going to position yourself. And then, you know, think about the trailer and, and, and hope, hopefully pulling audiences in, but you've got to commit to it. It takes time. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? It's kind of one of the one of the sort of holy grails of sport and and performance within sports teams is that commitment and that consistency bit of just always being consistent. It's it's the kind of old age sort of adage of the practice, practice, practice makes perfect and the 10,000 hours rule and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? It's that being consistent yep. and putting things out. We I completely cocked up because we went through a period where we didn't upload anything for three months that was new and fresh and exciting content. And you just, the audience just drops off the cliff, right? Because they're like, well, where are you? Where you've gone? Yeah. We've moved on over here. We're busy with this new podcast. And um, you sacrifice a lot in those moments. So yeah, you definitely have to be consistent. That's a big learner, definitely for me. How do you make, how do you make that's money out I, of them? Oh, go on, answer that bit because you were going to talk about the consistency. No, I was, was going to say that's why, I th you know, uh, yeah, I think it's really key to to say to your audience, you know, this is going to be at the beginning, this is 12 episodes um, over the next 12 weeks and um, that's season one, you know. So I think when you commit to it weekly, you quickly realise, as you're, you're probably realising here, as well that you know you've got to find guests you, you go on a holiday yeah. as well so there's a two-week break and crap i haven't got any in, in in the can so you've got to like think about pre-recording three or four in advance to make sure it allows you time when you know a podcaster could be sick and therefore they won't turn up and then suddenly you've got nothing that week so i think it's really important to um consider that as well but i think you know just make sure you're clear at the beginning and then you don't have those issues but again this is the stuff that you find out you know by just sticking stuff out there and that's that's kind of the best way to learn sometimes
How do you make money out of them? I mean, some of them will be making some serious money, right? Some of your pods, how many have you got now yeah. on your platform? Some of them will be making a lot of money. We have thousands joining us every single month automatically. Um, we have a service called the Creator Network, which is our white glove treatment. So, you know, you, that's where you speak to a manager and, you know, you're experiencing some of that, Georgie, now, which is great. Um, you know, we have over 100,000 um, globally now. Um, and the way you make money within podcasting it, at the moment is predominantly through advertising. You know, there are subscriptions and you can start to build your, you know, kind of your Patreon um, side of things and, and, and fan club and engage in more content and deeper, richer content um, on the side there. And that works for some people, but predominantly 99%, I'd argue, of all revenue um, earned in podcasting is really from advertising. And that's everything from just straight ads, uh, host endorsed reads um, to branded content. Um, those are kind of the three major ways, but it's a, I mean, you look at the U S, um, last year, uh, the space was valued at around $2 billion being spent in advertising and podcasting. You look at the UK, probably $75 million, maybe $80 million being spent in the UK. So it's a big buoyant market, but it is going to grow, you know, $80 million in the UK versus a radio market that is six, $700 million. Like that money will switch over to podcasting. So it is, you know, going to happen. The amount of time that consumers spend with podcasting and then versus marketing is woefully um, underserved. So there's so much, you know, room here for growth. So I'm, I'm very excited about that and obviously excited for creators because, you know, it's all about making money for creators and then they're going to continue to making great content. Is it going to kill off radio? I don't think it's going to kill off radio. I think it's going to be complementary. But I think, you know, we are in an on-demand world. You look at linear TV and streaming services. Yeah. You look at how you engage with audio in your car now and how your children engage with the likes of audio. Are they big radio fans would be the argument there. And I, I'd probably hasten to add they're probably not. But I yeah, think radio's still got a big place in in consumption i mean if you look at the average hours spent in streaming music you know that hasn't changed for the last 15 years it's you know around seven hours a week spent with with streaming um music but but the amount of that time now split between other other mediums is really interesting from audiobooks to podcasts and i'd argue almost streaming music half of that um is now spent with the likes of podcasting and audiobooks so you know if that's time spent, marketeers need to be where the the user, the listener is spending their time. And therefore, if that's in podcasting, then that's where they should be investing. And they're not investing as much as they should right now. And and who do you think is doing it really, really well? Who are the ones out there that aren't just sort of capitalizing on a moment, but actually have a really great podcast sort of, you know, like the structure's great, the guests are great, the, the positioning of it's great. They've just, they've thought through every aspect of it and are doing the best job by it. I mean, there's many podcasts that are doing a fantastic role there. You know, you look at um, some of the, the large ones we represent in the likes of UK, you know, Peter Crouch, um, Shag Married Annoyed, um, uh, Off Menu. You know, these guys have really found their structure and they've made it, um, work as part of their busy week because these um, yeah. publishers and broadcasters aren't broadcasting just podcasting they're doing tv they're doing you know live sport they're, they're doing so many different kind of areas but 
making time for podcasting highlights that actually podcasting is making them the revenue they need to warrant spending that time with it. And that's where kind of ACAST comes into that and makes sure that we are making them the money they, they achieve. So I think those kind of podcasts are doing a fantastic job. But then there's lots of niche podcasts that are doing fantastically well, but are never going to reach the mass audience because they're niche. But if you look at that niche, they're doing incredibly well. It could be a fishing podcast that's doing amazingly well, which they found a structure that works. Um, but they might only need 10,000 listeners. And you know what? A thousand might subscribe and pay to subscription, um, extra content. Um, the ads are going to make a small part of what they earn. It's more about the subs. Um, but most is, is about the ads. What, what, is there anything that you shouldn't do? Is there sort of like a, you know, a don't go there. The do's and don'ts list. Is there stuff that you're like, oh my God, that's a massive mistake. What on earth are you thinking? I mean, it's funny because a lot of people say, you know, we don't need another interview podcast because there's so many out there. Like, I think that's wrong. You know, I think there's, there's room for growth in every area. But I think if you look at the likes of um, Apple podcasts and you really delve into each of the categories and have a look at each of the categories, you can start to see where actually there, some are really woefully underserved. And if that's a niche and an area that you're an expert on and, and you've got something to say, then that, that's probably a good place to start. Mm. Um, do's and don'ts, I think, you know, think about your audience. They're committing a huge amount of time here. So um, if you're going to ramble on for a long time, make sure you you have the right things to say and it's actually worth their time engaging. Otherwise, you know, they're going to waste the time and tune out. So I think just, I think the structure is really important, which we mentioned earlier on. So really think about that structure and think about the time that someone's spending with it. And is it worth it? Is there something in releasing a series and, and um, episodes over, like you say, like, a, a you know, 12 in this series or 10 in this series, as opposed to releasing every single week? Is there a particular, t I mean, does it come down to, because you must know this with your data, does it come down to when it's released and um, and at what time of the day even? Um, what time of the, you know, I mean, you must hone into that really, really carefully and, and, and be able to see patterns emerging there. Is there. Is there something in that? I mean, is that how detailed you can get? Definitely. And I think if you look at um, how people consume podcasts, you might have 35% of people consume podcasts while working out. But their workout is pretty... Um, similar every single week, the timing wise, right? Um, your commute is very similar, of course, every single week as well. So whilst it's an on-demand medium, you choose um, to listen to it when you want to, um, you know, I'd argue that your listeners will tune in at the same time each week. So I think weekly is really important. So make sure you release it weekly. You know, you give someone two weeks, that's enough time for them to forget about your show. So be really clear about that. If it's a very long episode, you can break it into two parts um, and you can have part one, part two, release at the same time. Yep. Make sure you're consistently releasing at the same time and the same day each week. So your audience, again, starts to build that habit around your show. Otherwise, it becomes um, very hard to maintain that audience. As I think you, you, know, you said you found when you don't have anything, any content to put out for a while, people just disappear. So you've got to be very clear about that. 
Yeah, I made that big mistake of um, inviting my husband on to podcast alongside me. And then what happened was, is he found that he couldn't make quite the commitment that I could make. And so we were booking people. He's like, oh, sorry, so I won't be able to make that one. Won't be able to make this. I was like, you've got to be here. If you're not here, then, you know, we fall over. Um, and that, and that is right. tricky, right? You've got to, I think you've got to be really realistic in your, your own world as well. Like you said, a lot of people are fitting this in around a lot of other things as well. So you've got to make sure it's actually realistic and sustainable. Exactly. It's because it is a big commitment. So like, it's not only, you know, this hour that we're recording this in, you then got to edit it, you know, uh, or have someone edit it. You then got to work out your release schedule. You then got to work out your promotional, you know, tactics around this. What parts are you going to cut into promo videos so you can then send that across the social to bring a new audience in. So, um, and, and guests are normally doing you a favor by helping appear in your podcast. Yes, it's a promotion for them, but it's also, um, content for you to help yourself monetize. And they're not always available at three o'clock on a Tuesday. It's, you know, it, they, they'll be available when they're available and then you've got to work around that. So, so it is commitment is key. And, and again, you found that, you know, and, and I think a lot of this you can say, but until you're really in it, you, you don't really know until you learn yourself. And, and so you've learned that's, um, that's a positive, right? <laughs> One of the things that's kind of interesting for me is, is I always wanted to sort of, we're launching a, product brand in March time. And I always wanted to have an editorial tone of voice about what we were, who, we, what we stood for, all those values and that, and that's those sort of associations. I wanted to put that out there very much before the brand came and the product side of the brand came. Mm -hmm. you, is, how do you sort of, um, reflect on, uh, how businesses do that best, marrying the two things together of, of a product company and, a podcast because there's a lot of a lot of them out there right that are doing the same thing there are again it comes back to structure but i also think that um you know from the structure of a podcast i mean you know you you're you're doing it correctly you're seeing this as part of a bigger bigger business it's not just a standalone thing that is the only thing that can make you revenue if that can can start to wash its face and make you enough money to cover the production and stuff fantastic it's going to take some time to get there but also be brave enough to put stuff out there and then and then change as you go along you know um because you start to realize things that don't work like i can't spend as much time with it the format needs to be smaller um I need to start asking consistent questions, you know, and you'll only learn that during the process. So um, I think you've, you've approached it in, in the right way because most people will, will approach it in that podcasting is going to make me a lot of money. It's going to be my only output. And that's fantastic. You've got to see this as part of a bigger, bigger thing and be prepared to evolve that over time because um, not many get it right from the word go. And I suppose there's a skepticism, right, from, from listeners or viewers with podcasts that sort of start, you know, because of a brand. So they start, it's the other way around. They're a brand and then they create a podcast off the back of it, right? There's, there's going to be some skepticism with that because yeah. you're constantly feeling like you're being sold to the whole time, which is very much not what we're trying to do. We're very much trying to say, this is who we are and what we stand no. for. And by the way, over here, there is a product line which does the same thing, but you're not committed to either one or the other. You can choose if you want to put them together or not. Yeah, it's, it's got to be sincere, right? And I think um, people are committing time to listen to this so that it's a, you know, what they're getting off the back of it is either entertainment, learning both, 
um, and also it helps understand a part of your. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Your brand um, that they might not get from just the surface of seeing your brand and buying something from you. So I think it's um, it's a really good output and also to understand the people and culture behind it. Because I think story and storytelling is so important to um to how you feel about a brand, you know, you look at something like, um, I love the story behind fever tree, you know, fever tree tonic, gin and tonics, one of my favorite drinks, um, uh, is an amazing brand. I've always loved the brand in itself, but when, when you kind of delve into the story and why it's called fever tree and, you know, it's the, when they tapping the tree for quinine and, um, in the Congo and actually over there, they, cause they, there's a lot of malaria, they use it as um, a tree to cure fevers. So he called the fever tree. So that's where the name came from. So when you kind of start to understand these brand stories, it becomes super interesting and they can come through in the likes of long form content like podcasting. And that makes you feel differently about a brand. So I think it's a really powerful medium for that. Um, not just used to, I'm going to sell my product straight away, you know. You've come a long way. You used to be like a diamond white kind of a guy, and now you're talking about, you know, fever tree gin and tonics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was, uh, I'm not going to talk about my drinking habits back in the day, but you've got to start somewhere, Georgie, you know? <laughs> you do. And how the hell have you ended up here? I mean, that's the other part of this. Like, we've got sort of this, this how-to piece over here about how to put the best version of a podcast together. But in terms of you, how did you end up here? You're talking to me from your home in New York. You know, you're CEO of this mm -hmm. massive podcast company. I think it's the world's, I'm going to read it out, actually. I've got the note here. It's the world's largest independent podcast platform. So it's a major deal. Yep. I mean, what, what? How? Thank you. <laughs> I mean, who'd have thought it right, Georgie? You know, um, I... Um, it's interesting. I mean, I've always been fascinated in business, as you probably know, since we were kids, right? And um, whether that, and, and how I can make money, basically. Um, and, you know, media always fascinated me, whether that was um, when I was recording the, the Hit 40, the, the Pepsi chart show uh, on my radio, and I was, you know, we had cassette tapes, that's how old yeah, I am, the um, record and play and trying to record the top 10, right? Um, as it turns out, I ended up working for the Pepsi chart show and that was my first job in media. Um, I, I kind of realized that I'm marketing, branding, those kind of things were really interesting to me. Um, I got my university degree, uh, which was in kind of retail and hospitality. Um, wasn't necessarily Which has absolutely nothing degree, to do with this. <laughs> no, exactly. But there's a, 
a minor strand of business element that goes within that. And actually I was nightclub promoting and doing those kind of things. So actually working with brands and before I knew it, I was probably getting more experience from, you know, making money on the side and, and, and working in promotions and doing those kind of things. Actually that gave me kind of more exposure to the world I'm in now. Um, I've had 26 years experience now in audio, which I didn't necessarily mean to have. I love audio, but maybe not 26 years worth was, you know, or, or, or I wouldn't expect myself to be here. I think, you know, I've really, um, I've really worked hard to get to where I am today. I, I've been very lucky, um, in my entire career. I've, you know, something my dad was taught me was never burn a bridge. Um, and treat everyone with respect and and sometimes and I think he told me this because it, I didn't know a lot but it was uh, it's not what you know it's who you know um, and that is sometimes true is as, as sad as that is you can be the smartest person in the room but if you don't get on with anyone and you don't know how to open the door then you know no one's ever going to know so um, I kind of kept that with me a lot and um, and don't be afraid to put your hand up and and um, put yourself out there and a lot of the time it doesn't work out and you get embarrassed and who cares um uh, but I think you put yourself in the way of luck. And so 10 years of Capital Radio, um, learning how to sell audio. That was my kind of first part of my career. I then was lucky enough to meet a chap called Daniel Ek, who is the founder of Spotify. Um, he pitched the concept of of that to me and, and said that they were launching UK and Sweden at the same time. Would I like to join the team? And so me and a couple of the other people from Capital Radio joined and launched the UK. And we launched Spotify as a business. You know, I was first 30 in that company. And um, I think it's in a company like that where, yes, my role was to sell audio ads and support the free version through advertising and help launch their advertising model. But you get to learn so much more in a startup. Yeah. And I'd gone from a big blue chip at Capital Radio to that and gone, actually, you know, what? all the amazing training that I had at Capital Radio in this big blue chip company, suddenly I'm now applying to this small company and I'm doing lots of other bits too. And so I had a great career there for six, seven years. Spotify obviously is this massive beast today. Um, and it was nice to be part of that kind of founding crew at the beginning and the launch crew. And then some other inspiring Swedes came to me and pitched the concept of Acast. And you know what? I always wanted to be that founder, but I quickly realized that you can have an equal part as a founder because an idea is 5%, uh, you know, actually, um, activating the idea and executing the idea is 95% of it. And yeah. I was good at execution. So I realized that I could team up with very smart founders and I could execute their ideas and, and I could add to the ideas and evolve them. And here I am nine years later, um, after starting Acast and we're a NASDAQ listed company and I'm the CEO for the last six years. So and I'm in New York, so life's pretty good, but I'm very humble, very feet on the ground. I don't take it. Um, for granted and I'm just very lucky where I am so um, but I do love working where I am it's a cool company and you would have encountered along the way on this road to sort of what is success you would have encountered a lot of failure right because that's what happens um, you know on 100%. various journeys whether they're personal or professional and along you know that that particular path you you do have failures and they teach you great things i mean i know from my career and also personally stuff that's gone wrong has been where i've learned the most how about with you as well how about in in regards to your work and and what you've been doing and and your life what what lessons have you learned from failure i've learned more from failure 
than I have from success. And it, and it's quite easy to say that, but I think if you look at things like, um, you know, how to manage people, you know, like a lot of this is about managing a great team of people and attracting the right team. I've learned more from bad managers than I have from good. Um, I, th- I think, you know, when you have bad times, it's, you need to understand why, learn from them, um, and then don't do them again. You know, don't make those same mistakes again. And I think once you have that kind of mindset, it really helps you um, perform and achieve what you're supposed to, but you have to make mistakes. You know, Sweden's very good at this. Like if you look at um, Sweden as a, as a culture, you know, the government really supports startups. They, if you look at Europe and you look at the kind of startup tech scene, they massively outweigh any other country in Europe in the amount of um, tech billionaires and, and these amazing companies they produce. And a lot of it is, you know, not being afraid to put yourself out there, not being afraid to fail. And when you fail, they support you and that's all good and they celebrate you. You know, it might take three failures of businesses until you find a success. Um, and having that kind of mindset and culture allows you to do that. You know, I think in the UK, some of the mindset was never about um, celebrating failure. It was celebrating wins. Yeah. And I could never really understand that. Um, and that never really suited me. And, and once I understood that startup tech culture, that was where I kind of found my um, home and realized what I was actually good at. And, and that, you know, you, you can actually, you know, I, t- I tell the team this a lot. Um, get speeding fines like i prefer you to put yourself out there and make your own decision and try something new and get a slap on the wrist but actually you know you learn from that experience than continually just like getting a parking ticket and sitting there you know waiting you know i just think just you've got to really i really empower my team um but i think the biggest thing is about people you know just people management like you've got to hire the right people here um and trust people around you and empower them and that, for me, makes the best successful company and have a culture that you're very proud of. Um, I don't act any differently in work than I do at home. Like, this is me. Everyone says that you should have a professional you and you should have a different you. I, um, I kind of go against the rules. That's, that's me, though. <laughs> One of the things we all struggle with, um, if you're trying to do anything at a particular pace, is this work-life balance, right? This is the bit that a lot of us get wrong. Um, how do you manage that? How do you manage to make that work? Do you always make it work? Do you struggle with it or, or have you found a way to make it work? I'm very good at talking about making it work and why you should balance it. I'm shit at actually doing it. Yeah. Um, uh, it is a constant battle, but I've actually got myself to understand. I mean, especially as a CEO, right? Like I will have board calls on weekends. Um, my holiday is interrupted continually by calls. I can't switch off. Um, I'm a public CEO. I've got to watch what I say, um, on this, the likes of this podcast to just conversations I have in the pub with people. Um, if I get it wrong and I talk about, um, you know, future results, for example, you know, what's, what can happen? I can go to prison. So, so the pressure's on me. Right. And then I've got a beautiful family that that is my, you know, my number one priority business second. And how do you balance it? It's really, really hard, but I think accepting that you're never going to get it right is probably a good place to start, but Mm. then continually work at it. Um, I think when you have imposter syndrome continually and you worry about, are you doing a good job as well? Um, at home as well as at work 
I like that because you co- you're constantly aware. If you're not self-aware, you're never going to get the balance right. So being self-aware is a really important part of it as well. Where do you get or when do you get your best work done? I was thinking this about me the other day and I was thinking actually because the, the day is stacked full of meetings um, and things just seem to happen back to back and you haven't had time to breathe or think. I mean, do you book some thinking time out for yourself or do you go and take yourself off somewhere to just so that you can see the bigger picture? I mean, a holiday is always good for that, right? A holiday, we never sort of um, make enough of them, but they make a massive difference just for the rest of the brain as much as anything else and to get you thinking about fresh ideas and fresh yeah. thoughts and um, fresh directions. Um, I was thinking to myself the other day, actually, when I was at my best, when I work at my best, it's actually really late at night. It's sort of around about sort of 10, 11 o'clock when everyone else has gone to bed. And I can just, I know I can just be completely undisturbed in my thoughts and get to where I want to get to in my head. That's, but then I can't sleep. (laughs) So then I'm in a disaster vortex because I can't sleep because I've got my mind whirring at that moment in time. I'm the same. I'm a night owl, but, um, sometimes, uh, like I really enjoy being on an airplane, which sounds weird. Cause you know, this year I've probably done about 20, 30 flights, which is crazy. But, um, I think the, and why is it that I enjoy being on a plane? One, cause I'm away from everyone, anyone I know. So there's no, there's no interruptions. Um, but also you, you know, a lot of the time you don't get phone service or, you know, when there's wifi, it's a, that's a tricky thing. Don't sign up to Wi-Fi because everyone can contact you. But just the ability for no one to contact you really does help. I always found when I went to Australia to see the team there, what was great is, you know, the rest of the business is asleep half the day. So suddenly I'd hit like, you know, um, midday and no one's talking to me like Slack, which we use internally as a comms thing. No one is on Slack. Like it suddenly having no interruptions, my thinking time massively increases. My best ideas come out. Um, I try and give myself time in between meetings. Does that work? Not really, because I fill it with trying to be busy or over talk with people. Um, I try and tear myself away from my desk and go for a walk. You know, luckily enough, we're by a beautiful beach. So going for a walk and kind of being in nature for 20 minutes a day, I, I do believe in that. I think it's a really good thing, even if it's rainy, sunny, whatever, just get outside and get away from your desk. Um, but late at night, I'm like UG, like I, I find that as a, fresh you know kids are in bed fresh thinking time so um i never balance it there's no one rule that's going to work here so you know i accept that too so in terms of a, you've kind of touched on it there but in terms of a performance people hack in terms of something that really helps with productivity every day what is one thing that you would say to people if you do this every day your productivity your performance is going to go up it has to <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I had a kind of a, a single thing that, that works. Different things work for me on, on different days. Like the walk does genuinely work, like taking, like forcing myself away. I don't exercise enough, but actually when you exercise, I mean, getting myself to the starting line is the hardest part of it. You know, once I've done it and finished it, I'm like, why don't I do that more often? So you've got to really push yourself every day to do something that you're uncomfortable with. Um, and is not natural to you. And I think once you achieve that, everything else becomes quite easy to achieve. Um, so I think exercise, and that can be any form, 10 press-ups, it can be walking 20 minutes, it can be going for a run for an hour. Um, I think that that's probably a, a very key one if you can try and make that work. I'll always make excuses not to, but you just got to do it. 
Oh, you're a star. Ross, thanks so much for talking to me. It's been so nice to catch up with you. It's been lovely. And to glean all your knowledge, which is worth thousands of pounds these days. (laughs) Like in 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 years gone past, no, I could have got that for for another beer. (laughs) But now it's worth thousands of pounds. How far we have come. Yeah, always here to help. So just wanted to ask you a bit more about the future of podcasting, where it's going, where it's heading. Uh, and what you think we're we're likely to see in the future? You would have done, I suspect, in within your business, a lot of forecasting for what things look like and trend and yes. looking at trends um, and the way things are going to evolve over the future. What what do you see in the podcast world's future? What's its potential? I think potential wise, you know, I think I think two things really. Like the the word podcast is changing in, in what is a podcast. It's not just an audio show. You know, I think if the listener uh, or viewer calls it a podcast, it's a podcast. So it could be a video format, it could be audio format. So I think the the format is, itself will change in the future and evolve. That's a great thing because there's more touch points in how you can engage with an audience and grow an audience. Um, but podcasting in general, I genuinely believe the money from, you know, advertising money in radio and advertising money in music streaming, I think a lot of that money and a big chunk of it is going to flip over to podcasting. And the more investment within podcasting, the more marketeers who understand the amount of time listeners are spending with it and viewers, um, that's where they should be spending their marketing budgets. That's going to just spur on a whole new set of creators to start creating such amazing content. If I look at um, podcasting in general, it's the only medium I will not stop my children binging more on. So it, it's, an, it's an amazing, amazing medium as an educational piece. So I think from an educational standpoint and, and, and um, educational tech standpoint, podcasting is really going to start accelerating the ability for humans to learn. So I'm very excited about what that brings in the future. It's funny because at the moment you're absolutely right. Like as adults, you know, that's what we turn to. We turn to the podcast for a lot of education, whether it be self-improvement, self-help, um, you know, ju- just it's almost like a, you know, the closest thing you'll get to therapy without walking into a therapy session with somebody, right? So actually, you're absolutely right. There's this huge opportunity, isn't there, for the education system to really engage with it? Massively so. And I think once you settle on the voice that you like to hear in a podcast, because I think voice is a big part of it. Yeah. You know, you choose a podcast for the the subjects and the context uh, and the content but then if you don't know the voice, you're going to tune out pretty quickly. So it's really important to get that kind of voice bit right. But once you're in, like, I mean, I found myself sat in, a, in my driveway of my house in the car listening to the, pod, the end of a podcast and my wife's looking at the window like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just so engaged. I want to finish this. And I don't find that with other mediums. I'm constantly You just didn't want to do bedtime. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's probably about right. Yeah, I was a bit useless at that. <laughs> I hype the kids up more than I get them, you know, in ready for bed. Do you so remember which me. podcast that was that you didn't want to tear yourself away from? I mean, that was Serial back in the day. That was a big defining okay. moment in podcasting beyond that. I mean, Serial just, you know, I think that was my my first big podcast I properly was addicted to and I could not wait for the next episode to come out. So yeah, that was, that was serial. Is that the one that kind of made you think this, this is exactly where I should be. This is what I want to work in. This is, this is exactly 
how I see myself fitting in to a, to a medium as such. I mean, interestingly, I saw the data for podcasting. I was blown away by it. And I knew through data, this is going to be a huge success. I was not a podcast fan at the time when I accepted the job. Um, or at least I thought I listened to like, um, on demand radio. If I missed like a, a BBC show that I liked, I would listen to on demand, not realizing that was a podcast. So I was a podcast fan, but not understanding the true power of the medium. Um, two months after I started, um, Serial launched. So everyone was like, ah, I get it now, Ross. You've, you know, you've timed another one. I'm like, yep. I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, so I was quite lucky there too. Wow. But you but based that, was, that on, yeah, so you, ba- you didn't base that on an emotional decision. You based that on the data. You could see the direction things were headed, regardless of how you actually felt emotionally about it. Yeah, and and you you put it together like I'd seen data in radio and consumption and that changing and hours spent dropping. I'd seen music streaming explode, and why was that? It was habits, and it was the data around it and how you engage it. And I saw podcasting, and it was just this medium that I didn't even realize was still around as a big thing because that was already ten years old by then. And I was like, this is amazing. Like if we get this right, you know, this is going to take over like audio consumption because it's longer form. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought, you know, you've got to make a bet. Sometimes you get it wrong, you get it wrong, but you know, I, I'll, I'll always find another job. So, um, or at least I hope I would. So, um, I went for it. So I'm very lucky. One of the things that I love so much about sport, and I suspect you probably do as well, cause we both love sport is this element of surprise. It gives you always gives you something a little bit different, mm-hmm. totally unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen in that match until that match is played out to the death, right? We don't know. We can assume we yep. know, but we don't know. Yep. And it makes it really exciting. Is there anything within the podcast world that is similar? Is there, is there other things that have totally surprised and shocked you, whether they've been massively successful or perhaps not? Yeah. I mean, data can tell you one story, but it's, it's about how you execute and it's about the people. So again, like on a, like you said, a sports match, anything can happen, but it's down to the people who are actually executing that can make that change happen. And I think, um, you know, things like serial happening out of the blue, which we didn't plan for in the spreadsheet and suddenly, you know, does a massive marketing job for podcasting. And everyone's now calling me and saying, can you come and see us? Whereas before they wouldn't answer the phone because podcasting was this old thing that no one, they didn't think anyone listened to anymore. So like there's moments like that, that, you also need a whole lot of luck to be successful as well. So I think data is almost like 50% of it, you know, or even maybe less than that, 30% of it. It's then how you execute. And then you need a lot of luck along the way. Um, I've made huge mistakes in you know, Spotify. There was a lot of um, things that could have meant that wasn't a success, but you know what? Luck was on our side and we made it a success and fantastic. Same with Acast. Like, um, if the population didn't start listening to podcasts or jump into it because of the likes of Serial, we wouldn't have had a successful first year and maybe we wouldn't have got funding for the second and, and gone on. So these, these are, there's some real key pivotal moments like that that um, uh, can really change the outcome and whether you're successful or not. But if you've got good people and you, you believe in it that much, and you're that passionate, I always believe you're going to perform and I always believe you're going to um uh, have success, but you've got to believe, um, as a big part of it. I mean, my son, my son has a, um, I found a little cue card of my 10 year old when he was nine, he wrote this cool phrase that must have like, um, jogged his memory, um, 
and he he wrote it down. I mean, he wrote it wrongly, but uh, I'm going to read it anyway. Um, and I keep it on next to me. Like um, it, it said, uh, winning is not always about shining the brightest. Sometimes it's about sharing the light with someone who has been waiting in the shadows all along. So I'm like, oh, when I talk boy. about people and culture, you know, I'm like, that that's what it's all about. It's all about the people who can help you deliver this. And if you have a really good set of people and you really treat them well and believe in culture, that can go sometimes a lot longer, a lot further than the data says or performance says that, you know, you're going to go. So anything happens on the day, you know what, we're now nine years old and we're the biggest company in the world in podcasting. So, um, and we've probably spent the least money out of the, the biggies. So we've done it in the right way. So I'm very proud of the team. You should be. I want to ask you though, what was it like to sign the Obamas to your platform? That must have been a mega moment. <laughs> you know, there are some, there are some people, right, aren't there, that transcend everything and whatever their world might yeah. be. And so you come on, you must have walked out of that meeting or whatever it was that you had and just gone, yes, that was amazing. That was a serious I mean, result. look, we had the same moment when we, we signed Georgie Thompson, you know, it was a, <laughs> you know, um, I'll use, I'll use your old name there. That was um, that shows you how how I know how it's so worrying. The other day, I did a pop with my friend Nat, and she did exactly the same thing. She's like, "Look, GT." I was like, "I know that was who I yeah, was." Yeah, <laughs> it sticks. No, I think you know signing Higher Ground, uh, which is a company owned by the Obamas. Um, there's many pivotal moments you have in your career, and many pivotal moments you have in the you know the Acast history when we sign really big talent. Um, that kind of puts you on the map. Everything from back in the early days, it was Scroobius Pip, and then you know the likes of BBC, um, and and now we've kind of signed higher ground um, with the uh, Obamas. That was a very um, uh, a, a very proud moment, and it's not just the effort from me. You know, I'm involved slightly in these deals. This is again the pe- the people in the team, and I'm and I'm, we've hired the right people. Um, and we've created the right culture for a company like that to go, you know what, out of everyone, they can really choose anyone they want to go to. They choose ACAST. So it's not just the fact you're signing that level talent. It's more that that level talent is blown away by what you stand for as a brand and um, has decided to go with you. So like there's so many parts of that. But yeah, it was a, it's pretty cool. I moved to America, the Obama sign, I'm like, Okay, higher ground. This is amazing. So, um, yeah. Oh, congratulations. It's Feel epic. the ground, though. Yeah, well, that's right. And you are super Thank modest you. and you should continue to be so because that's absolutely massively a recipe for success that the modesty bit and the humility bit and you've got it in space. Ross, thanks so much. It's been brilliant. Thank Fingers you. Crossed. Thank you. Yeah, Pleasure. lots of love. Thank you, Georgie. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.